When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. to the world's largest showcase of audio drama entertainment. We have everything here under the big tent. Main attractions, strange and exotic animals, wonders from across the English ocean. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Jack, um, what's with all the carnival hoopla? Oh. Well, well, David. Well, David, um... Uh, oh. Yeah, Jack, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, David, I, I thought that episode 580 was a pretty large-scale achievement, especially when you consider we have nearly 900 episodes in the Sonics. Well, oh, yeah, well, yes, I mean, it's it's certainly laudable, Jack, uh, but um, why do you think no one's actually here? What do you mean no one's here? Well, look around and see. I mean, not only is this the first week of December, and far too cold to have a circus tent planted in the middle of an icy field, oh. but uh, I would guess that people would wait until at least... 600 season episodes or a thousand complete shows before celebrating? You, uh, uh, may may have a point there, David. Yeah, I I mean, I appreciate that you set all of this up, but maybe you should just wait until then for any announcements. Here, I'll I can help you take it down. But first, tonight's features are the pilot episode of The Dark Room by Ryan McGowan and another 11th hour production episode, To the Moon and Back by Faith McQuinn. And it all begins right here. On Sonic Society. Look, Jack, have a cup of hot cocoa before we take the tent down. so much. I know, of course, they're really isn't any carnival. Shh, shh, Jack. It's okay. You're just delirious from the cold. At home, I started developing film I found in old cameras. And I saw that there was a world beyond ours. A world mostly forgotten, but not always on purpose. A world whose memory still lingers in the dark room.
and as usual I found myself an estate sale up along the coast. At that sale, I spotted an old Argus C3 camera that the man running the sale said he'd found up in the attic. He wanted way too much for it, but I was able to talk him down to a reasonable price. And on my way out the door, I checked to see if the camera had any film in it. Sure enough, there was a partially shot roll inside. I wouldn't be able to develop it, however, until I got home to my darkroom. You can never be sure how old film will turn out. Sometimes it's too far gone. Even with a drum scanner, anything that might have, at one time, been on the roll is lost in fog. Sometimes they come out great, and you can track down the original owner, give them back a piece of their forgotten memories. Other times, on the rare occasion, the film comes out, but what you get isn't something for the world to see. Some photographs are better left untaken. For those reasons, I start doing the developing myself. With this particular role, I got lucky, and when I pulled the film out of the development tank, it was clear that there were indeed some photographs on it. I put the film in the dryer and came back three minutes later, eager to see what I'd got. The last few frames were a waste. Although they came out, they were taken recently by someone playing around with a camera. The last two, both of which were severely fogged, had clearly been taken at the estate sale. The first few frames were fairly standard for these old rolls of found film. Family snapshots. A dog and a child in a yard. Two children standing on a boulder near a lake. A man taking his own picture in a mirror. You see a lot of these types of photos in my advocation, most of which I do my best to return. However, these images were not indicative of the rest of the role. The next few photographs were of a gorge. The first showed a thick forest, but with a massive gash in the land, revealing a deep stone crevasse. The second showed the inside of the gorge, and, in the distance, a cavern opening. Instantly, I wanted to know more. Occasionally, when my resources aren't enough, I turn, very selectively, to outside help. In this case, I showed those two photographs to a colleague at Muskie University. These were taken in the early to mid-50s, I told him, based on the film and its aging. I believe that these were taken someplace in New England, likely Maine, but I couldn't be sure. He told me that it wasn't a lot to go on, but if it was taken in Maine, I'd ask the best person I could have asked. It's rare that you show these photos to anyone, he said as an aside. I thought you'd given this up. I waved him off. We all have our vices, I told him. He smiled and told me he'd get back to me if he found anything. About a week later, I received a phone call. Interesting news, he told me. There was an earthquake in the northwestern part of the state in 1956. There's not a whole lot of documentation. The incident was largely forgotten. 
but it seems like this quake opened up a large gorge, like the one in your photographs. Unfortunately, about six months later, there was a smaller secondary quake that caused an avalanche that sealed up the gorge again. Interesting, I said. What's more is that I took a look at the rock formation in the photos that you showed me. That exposed rock is old. Really old. You can tell that it was originally exposed thousands of years ago. It would be amazing to see what was in that cave. I think you should consider donating these photos to the university. It's possible that, with some research, that the gorge could be located and excavated. This could be of great benefit to the public. I would consider it, I told him. And with this, our conversation ended. Although my colleague at the university has said that the opening to the cave had likely been sealed off for thousands of years, the next few photographs clearly refuted the idea. The next photo showed just a hint of what was to come. Two girls were standing in front of the opening to the cave, and you could clearly see inside, which was decorated with a level of intricacy that even modern man would struggle with. The next couple of photographs show these details even more clearly, though I hesitate to describe them to you. One photograph in particular showed a large statue of a tall and slender man with a frenzied mane. His fingernails were merged with his three fingers to give a claw-like appearance. Its head was featureless, except for two vacuous holes. Across its abdomen, there was a gaping mouth with an uncountable amount of small, needle-like teeth, which were made of some inset stone or maybe carved from bone. The search for this figure was difficult as I decided to undertake the process myself. Eventually, months later, I was able to find a couple of depictions that matched the statue. In the northeastern part of the state, there was an indigenous population that had stories about a spirit that was described similarly to the statue's appearance called, with a loose translation, the starving one. The spirit was blamed for many disappearances in which whole settlements would vanish as if they had never existed at all. Strangely, this also matched the depiction of a Norse deity named Asmora, an enemy of almost all the Nordic gods and blamed for the loss of settlements as well. A little more research found specific mention of Asmora around the age of the mysterious Viking settlements found along the New England coast far predating the arrival of Columbus. Neither mention had any visual depictions of the starving one, and most shied away from any detail. Most recent versions of the books had no information at all, and recent versions of older books had any reference redacted in the newer copies. The last frame on the roll, before the modern ones, was out of focus, most likely an accidental shot. It was clear, however, that this was still in the cavern and that someone had been terribly, terribly hurt. After I had blown up the photo in the enlarger, still unsure of what it was, I had it in the developer. I was agitating the chemicals 
when the picture slowly faded into the dim light. I had stood squinting at the image when it hit me. This was someone's arm that had been torn from their body. In the silence of the darkroom, I did my best to finish the process while trying not to focus too hard on the contents of the image. Aiding in my search for the owner of the film was a name inscribed on the inside door of the camera, Bernard Weeks. I was able to match him to a particular Weeks that had lived in Bitterford, a single photograph and address being all I was able to find. In fact, when I went back next week to the library to see if I could find more information, the register I had used previously was gone. I asked the librarian at the desk, but she could find no record of the register ever being at the library. Luckily, there was still information on a woman who lived at the same residence at the same time and was most likely his daughter. It appears that sometime after she changed her name and was now living in a nursing home in Massachusetts under the name of Carol Shaw. When I went to visit Miss Shaw down in Massachusetts, I gave the receptionist a fake name. May I ask the reason for the visit? She asked. I told her that I was working on a history book for the town of Biddeford, where Miss Shaw and her family resided and were prominent residents. She said that she had no idea. They actually knew very little of Miss Shaw's background, besides that she never married. Unfortunately, she said, I don't think you'll get much out of Carol. She doesn't talk much. She remembers even less. She apologized and excused herself for being so frank. It's just so sad when they end up like this. They get lonely, you know. On her better days, she even thinks she has a sister. She doesn't? I asked. Oh, no, the nurse said. We do know that she was an only child. You seem surprised. I read that she had one. I smiled. It's a good thing I came here to make sure. The receptionist brought me to Miss Shaw, who was in the common area, and introduced us. I'll leave you two alone for now. If you need anything, there's a nurse on duty at the station in the corner. I've already told her that you're here. The nurse left us. On our way out, the receptionist stopped at the aid station and they both eyed me, suspiciously. The old woman was farther gone than the conversation with the receptionist had led me to expect. She was unresponsive, both visually and verbally. It was as if we both inhabited two different worlds. I was gathering memories, and she was losing them. After initial introductions failed, I pulled out the photograph of her and the dog from my bag, and I placed it in her hands. Slowly, her eyes drifted towards it. Is this you, Carol? I asked. She said nothing. I gave her a moment to look, to take the photograph in. Then I took out the photo of her and the other girl on the rock by the lake, and I gave it to her. And I could tell that I was reaching her, 
she was coming back. Who is this, Carol? Her mouth began to move. She spoke softly, like a ghost. Barbara, she said. Is that your sister, Carol? Again, softly. Barbara. I took the photographs from her and gave her the one of her and the girl by the cave opening. She began to tear up and I glanced over at the nurse's station to see if anyone had noticed, but she was busy. I leaned in. Who is this, Carol? Is this your sister? She nodded and openly began to cry. Again, I looked over at the nurse's station. Nothing. I pulled out the photo of the starving one from my bag and handed it to the old woman. Her face began to distort as she wept. I shot another look at the nurse's station, only to meet her gaze directly. She did not look happy. What is it, Carol? What happened? The old woman began to wriggle around in her chair. I handed the old woman the final photograph. She screamed. was running towards me. As I ran out the door, I looked over my shoulder and saw that the old woman was clutching the photographs and screaming while the nurse was trying to calm her down. Even having given fake contact information, I expected to hear something. A call from the police, a knock on the door, but nothing. It seemed my caution had paid off. A couple of days later, I read in a newspaper about the death of the old woman, Miss Shaw. The obituary mentioned no descendants and mentioned no relatives, the last of her family. There was a time given for the services, but when I called the funeral home, they had nothing scheduled. Perhaps getting too bold, I called the nursing home I had visited twice. Both times, they said they had never had a resident by the name of Carol Shaw. I mentioned that she might have been listed under Carol Weeks, but again, there was no one. I should tell you that I'm not a superstitious man. Mrs. Shaw's disappearance fits closely with the legend of Osmora, the starving one. Its desire to erase and to be erased its endless hunger for existence and its desire for nothingness. But why Miss Shaw and not myself? Perhaps my existence is too meager or too distasteful. In the end, I decided not to make duplicates of the photographs I had left with the old woman. Truthfully, I couldn't bring myself to look at the negatives. And even now, sometimes I get the feeling that I'm being watched from a distance. <laughs>
by a gaze that I dare not meet. And so my search for the gorge, Mr. Weeks and his daughters, has run cold. And the negatives, the only remaining artifact of their existence, are filed away in a locked cabinet in the dark room. Audio Productions presents To the Moon and Back by Faith McQuinn Starring Marquita Richardson Tiana Scott Drew Prophet Jeremy Hennessy and Kristen Martin Directed by Faith McQuinn stuck in your phone when all of this is around you. All of what? There's nothing out here. Exactly. Just trees and rolling hills and... Are those emus? Yeah, that's weird. We would have never seen emus if we'd stayed on the interstate. Now, aren't you happy we got out of that traffic? Now, find me a gas station. First of all, that was not traffic. Two years in LA have taught me about real traffic. Second of all, back roads are only peaceful as long as you stay in the car. So I will find you a gas station off the interstate or at least a main highway. Oh dear lord, here we go. Two brown skinned girls stopping at one of these little podunk gas stations? No thank you. Just tell me where the closest gas station is. We're almost on empty and I'm thirsty. (sighs) Fine. There's one two miles up and to the right. Thank you. Can't we talk instead of you playing whatever you're playing? We can talk when we get there. Please, May. What do you want to talk about? You haven't been out here with me in a few years. I didn't even know if you would say yes. 
What? Of course I would. I mean, you seemed different when you got back. I didn't know if maybe you felt the same about joining me. I mean, going with me. I can't believe you've been going alone. I asked my mom once, but I think she'd rather not be there. It reminds her of dad. Yeah, but isn't it hard being there by yourself? The farm isn't small. Well, no. That's kind of the point. To get away from everything. It's not so bad. I end up sleeping more, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, sorry about that. I brought books this time, so I won't chat your ear off. Oh, this is our turn. Oh, oh, it's adorable. It looks like something out of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But, but they have fried pies. Google says there's a truck stop just five miles away. A truck stop will not have fried pies. We're stopping. I'm telling you, we shouldn't stop here. Not everyone is racist. Of course not everyone. <sighs> Look, the pumps take credit cards. It can't be all that bad. Still looks sketchy. You just spent a year in like the sketchiest city on the planet. I think you'll be fine. Fine, I have to run to the bathroom anyway. What do you want to drink? Uh, can you grab me a soda? Peach, if they have it. And get two pies. Oh my God, still? What? Peach soda is the best soda. Should I buy a case so you can have some for this weekend? Oh my God, would you? And you're serious, aren't you? Oh, you know I am. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, oh. I told you to have it by today. I, I'm, I, I just... Uh, oh. may, may I help you? Uh... I wanted to get some fried pies. I haven't seen you before. You just passing through? Yeah. The pies? You have them? Sure. Sure. We've got apple and peach. Like peaches? Peach are the best. Uh, I'll take two of each. Oh, girl, you got an appetite on you. Where's your bathroom? It's in the back. You'll need a key. Thanks. Oh, she's feisty. No. Alan, please don't. I'll make sure you to- You shouldn't have paid me on time, Jeffrey. Come on, May. I want to get back on the road. What are you doing in there? Shit! Sorry. Uh, are, are you May's sister? Of course you are. There's no one else here. Um, she needs you. She's my cousin. Not that it matters. W what happened? Is she okay? I I'm not really sure. She won't. She won't come out of the bathroom. Where, where did she go? Look! Help! 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 Let, let go! Don't fight it. No! Useless. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> She put up quite a fight. Alan had to give her something. She's been out for a few minutes. Who are you? What's going on? Where are they taking us? This can't happen. Help! Someone help! Shut up! Do you want to end up like her? I really need to get us out. I'm sorry, but you need to be quiet. 
What's your name? Amari. Well, that's different. It's Hebrew. You're, you're Jewish? Yeah, we come in all shades. I didn't mean anything by that. I'm Ruth. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. What? It's from the book of Ruth. Oh. Look, I have to get us out of here. Have you tried? Sorry, that's not gonna happen. We have to try something. Ugh. We're stopping. Maybe... I'm sorry, but I said you had to be quiet. You're with them. I was told to keep you under control, and I will do what I need to do to make sure that happens. I won't kill you. I know what would happen to me if I did. Not quite living up to your namesake so much. I don't want to, but I will hurt you if I have to. Am I going to have to? No. Good. And no more Bible lessons. There's no God here. Put her on the bed over there. She needs a doctor. She'll be fine. Pick a cot. Why are there so many? We're not the first, are we? Far from it, Bible girl. You're the only ones right now. Get some sleep. We have a lot of work to do tomorrow. May, please wake up. Please, please. You're awake. Oh gosh, are you okay? Oh, my head. Do you remember what happened? Uh, I went to the bathroom. When I came out the creep by the front counter, he grabbed me. I don't know what happened after that. Oh my god, what day is it? It's, it's okay. It's only been a few hours. What are we gonna do? We have to get out of here. I know. I just don't know how. Ugh. The door is solid and there are no windows. I even checked the bathroom too. You can't just bust it down or something? <laughs> I, I can't do that. Sorry, I, I didn't. It's, there's no way out. We'll have to wait until they open the door again. And then maybe we... <laughs> this is all my fault. I got us into this. I'm, I'm so sorry. What are you talking about? You didn't do this? You told me to stay on the interstate. You told me to go to the truck stop and because my stupid self wanted fried pies. Grace, you didn't put us here. That creep in the store put us here. I need you to be strong because you're always strong. Okay? We put our heads together. We'll get out of here. And then we can get to the farm, talk all night, and then you'll run tomorrow. Mm. We'll be fine. We'll be safe. I love you. To the moon and back. Rise and shine, ladies. Oh, good. May, was it? You're okay. That bruise doesn't look too noticeable. Stay away from me. I won't hurt you. Get up. You too, Amari. We have a busy day. You won't, but will he? 
Bart is security. And that's not an answer. What are you going to do to us? To you? Nothing. You both need a shower, some fresh clothes, and I'm sure you're hungry. So, showers first. These gentlemen are going to stay right here and watch the door while I take you both into the bathroom. Ladies, please follow me. No. You said you wouldn't hurt us. And I won't. Bart is here to keep everyone in line. Everyone. He won't touch her again as long as both of you cooperate. Do we have a deal? Ladies, do we have a deal? Yes. Brilliant. Now, follow me, please. Eat up. It's not poisoned, see? I'm not hungry. Oh. It seems Amari here is. Wow, honey, you should slow down. Maybe chew a little? Would you like some more? Yes. Okay. May, you need to eat. You won't get to until late tonight. Alan doesn't let the girls eat until the guests have left. Guests? Eat. Amari, I'll get you more. Bart. Mm. Keep an eye on them. Are you all right? I'll be fine. As long as I eat. Eat mine too. No, no, you need something too. Who are these guests? What are you going to do with us? We didn't do anything to you. I know you didn't, May. You were just in the right place at the wrong time. Alan is... Uh, businessman, and Jeff didn't come through. Alan expects his money, and I'm sure you two will more than make up for Jeff's mistake. You're gonna sell us? I'm not doing anything. Please stop asking questions and finish eating. We have to get the right outfit for tonight. We'll have a few hours before we return. The dinner party will be in the backyard. There'll be plenty of cards, so don't think about trying anything. Be dressed and ready. I think I can make three hours. God, what if you can? I have to. I can't be in here. I can't hurt you. I won't. If I'm out there when I change, then you can get away. What? No. You just, you just need to turn me. No. Why not? First of all, it wouldn't matter. You don't change instantly. It takes some time. Second of all, I'm not gonna put that burden on you. It's not a burden, you're fine. And Uncle Abel, we were born into it, May. Biting or scratching isn't the same. It's not, it's not easy. I won't. But if you do it now, I can help you. No, you have to get away as soon as I change. I don't have full control on the first night, so please, you have to run. How can I just leave you? You just have to. If you stay, they might hurt you. Even more than they already have. Another good reason. No. Okay, I won't. That Bart guy, he had a gun. So if I run, he might... 
But he can't kill you. So if I'm turned, we'll both be safe. <sighs> That's not how it works, May. No special bullets needed. I'm a little harder to kill, but you just have to run. I don't think I can. <laughs> can't let anything happen to you. You have to, May. Please, promise me you'll run as fast as you can. Find help and come back for me. Please? All right. I'll run. Let's go. Reese, you okay? What's wrong with you? Just cramps. I'm fine. Is it your time of the month? Something like that. Bart, get her some Tylenol or something. You have to be at your best in front of Alan and his guests. No. I'll be fine. It's fine. Okay. Stay here. I'll be back for you. Now that we've had a nice dinner, I want to thank you, gentlemen, for coming on such short notice. But I do have a treat for you. Ruthie, if you would. Girls, are you ready? No. Give me your hand. We'll be okay. Plier. <laughs> I love you. To the moon and back. Girls, now please. I know that some of you lean towards the exotic. <laughs> and these two young ladies will definitely fit your bill. Please, ladies, take a walk around. Are we allowed to touch? Of course. Just remember, this is just a showcase right now. Don't go too far. You are lovely. They're both just perfection. You, lift your dress for me. No. It's not part of tonight. You'll have to pay. Ugh! Ugh! Amari! Ruth, what's wrong with her? I-I don't know. She-she uh, she was fine before. Fix it! Ugh! happening? It's close. Remember, as soon as I- uh, uh! Alan, what's happening? You promised pristine merchandise. What's wrong with her? M my apologies. I am not- uh! Ruth, get her inside. Of course. I'm sorry, Alan. Amari, come with me. No! What's happening to you? Amari! May let go. It's happening. Get ready. What in the hell? Is this some kind of sick joke? What's going on? <laughs> Oh! <laughs> 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 
get them. I'll be back for you. It's you. Get away from me. Get away. I'm sorry. I I'm so, so sorry. Leave me alone. Help. Help. Shh. There's no one out here to help you anyway. I won't hurt you, I swear. Go to hell. Oh, oh shit. Here, let me get you up. Oh, my God. You're bleeding. They hurt you, didn't they? Alan promised me they wouldn't hurt you. Oh, so because the douchebag who kidnapped women and sells them said he wouldn't hurt us, you didn't do anything? Oh, you're just so damn noble. You don't know what kind of person Alan is. He would have hurt me, hurt my family. He took, he took my daughter once when I couldn't pay. I, what was I supposed to do? You're bleeding pretty bad. I need to get you in the car. I'm fine. It's just... A scratch. That's more than a scratch. Jeez, did an animal get you? Not exactly. Can you walk? I gotta get you some help. Uh, uh, not going anywhere with you. I'll be. <gasps> what the? Let me out. No, you, you've lost a lot of blood. I, I have to get you help. I can't have you die on me. Why are you locking the doors? What are you doing? You just said you'd help me. I am. They have a doctor at the house. He'll help you. You bastard! I told you he'd hurt my family. I don't have a choice. 
How's that scratch? Oh, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. To the Moon and Back is a collaboration between Observer Pictures, Oral Stage Studios, and Broken Bard Studios. Directed by Faith McQuinn. Production managers are Monique and Matthew Boudreau. Dialogue recording and editing by Austin Beach. Music by Amy Balcom. Sound design by Joshua Sui. To the Moon and Back also features the voices of Austin Beach, Matthew Boudreau, Mark Reese, and David Steele. And that's our features for this week's entertainment. Thank you for joining us. And to continue the Christmas spirit, could you take a moment and give us a review? It takes no time on your iPhone or other Android device to find us under your subscriptions and then just give us a five-star notification. The more you let others know about the plethora of audio drama out there, the more you support the medium. And speaking of support, please join us at MadCon so we can thank you in person for the many years we've had the opportunity to be on the air and through the podcast apps. MadCon can be found at mad-con.com and will take place in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada between the 24th and 26th of July 2020. We'll keep producing from the right station, even though next week we'll be featuring the wrong station. And for Jack Ward and myself, I'm David Alt. Good night. Good night. And Jack, Jack, what are you doing out of bed? You're still frozen stiff. Sorry. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. The bridge between men and machine. What kind of change? One that changes everything. The organic and the digital. His head, it's metal. Your friend Alvin the Chipmunk's non-stop recording hard drive. The ability to record every human sense. Sight, sound, even thought. Everything anyone could ever see or hear gets recorded. Any human being could be a spy. This chip will allow us to know everything, as will the people we sell it to. They'll see all the data. Don't you get it? There is no one that can stop us. Hey, Rockstar. 
The Rapscallion Agency, a new audio drama from the creators of The Leviathan Chronicles, follows two of its youngest characters, Lizette and Clurican, who move to Paris. So, Clurican is in Paris. Welcome to Paris. And find themselves entangled in a sinister plot to control the world's most sensitive information. I can take them out. I said there were three of them. Now there's two. We've got to get out of here. No one is going anywhere. Leviathan Audio presents The Rapscallion Agency, available November 1st. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.